Welcome to the sixth episode of Reimagining Defence, brought to you by Lieutenant Colonel Henry Woolley and myself, Flight Lieutenant James Coote. The thoughts are our own and don't represent the MOD. This podcast is for people who want to become bilingual in the languages of defence and technology. Through examining how exponential technologies are fundamentally disrupting organisations worldwide, we explore how we might harness them to reimagine defence. During the series so far, we've talked about how the cloud plays an accessible, flexible and helpful host to many of the things we do online, perhaps like online shopping, how machine learning can make sense of our requests despite our typos and sort the responses, then with a single click, how automation can set events in motion which lead to us receiving our order just the next day, whilst feeding a growing big data picture which allows online shops to predict what we want before we know it. In this episode, we're going to talk about the Internet of Things, or IoT, a term that probably brings to mind your smart heating system or a voice-controlled assistant like Alexa. We're going to explore how IoT is breaking down the final barriers between the physical and digital world, how it means that to interact with the digital world, say making an order or to automate a process, increasingly we won't have to go online through a web browser we'll simply interact with physical things that will convert our physical actions into digital ones. We're going to use the example of how farming, a prototypically offline job, is being transformed by IoT into an experience as digital as going onto Facebook. We'll also explore how Facebook are hoping to make its own experience as offline feeling as traditional farming. Then we're going to make some sense of what this blurring of the boundaries of the online and offline worlds might look like for the military, exploring what a forward operating base's perimeter security might look like in 2025. The term Internet of Things refers to physical objects connected to the internet, typically so that they can collect data on the real world, and sometimes so that they can be controlled through the internet making them smart in some way. This may include objects that historically have been dumb, like your fridge or lights. In this episode, we're not going to delve into every gimmicky example of connecting toothbrushes or toasters to the internet, but instead are going to focus on how IoT, by enabling physical objects to connect and be controlled through the internet, is breaking down the final frontiers between the digital and physical realms and why this has the potential to be truly transformational for defence. Let's dive straight in with an example of where one of these transformations is currently ongoing, crop farming. Now, crop farming has typically been labour intensive. There are just simply so many physical tasks to do. Ploughing fields, planting crops, harvesting them, sorting them. And though technology has helped us manage ever larger farms through bigger and better machinery, One can hardly say that farming represents a beacon of digital innovation. This may be about to change though. Plenty Unlimited Incorporated offer one powerful example of this in their revolutionary work on vertical farming. Instead of growing crops on the ground, they have huge indoor spaces with vertical shelves stacked up to 20 foot high with crops being grown on each and every shelf and water delivered to each plant individually. 
This redesign has enabled them to monitor these shelves of fruit and vegetables using thousands of IoT devices. In their case, internet-connected cameras and moisture sensors, which feed this massive big data into the cloud where it's processed by machine learning and turned into actions that optimize the farming. They can increase the water rate of delivery to the tomatoes on the top shelf who are being dried out by the sun and turn it down for the broad beans on the bottom shelf. Or what about the strawberries who look ripe and ready to pick? According to the machine learning algorithm, if they're not picked in the next two days, their shelf life will be dramatically reduced. Also, who knew that increasing the proportion of blue light that a lettuce leaf is exposed to at a certain point of their life increases the thickness and crunchiness of the leaf? An insight made by ML that's hardly imaginable for humans to make that leads to a better product. The increases in efficiency are not trivial. Their farms produce 350 times the yield of an outdoor, typical farm, per square metre and use less than 5% of the water. They reduce the cost of produce by 20-35% to overall. 300 of these farms are currently being built in China as we speak. Ah, but the jobs of fruit pickers and livestock farming will be safe, I hear you say. Well, what about the astronauts who printed beef in space last year? Or the startup Agrobot that, amongst others, has created a robotic fruit picker that autonomously, autonomously moves through your field or vertical farm, identifies optimally fresh strawberries with its computer vision algorithms, and then carefully picks them. A critical point to note, however, is the entire system redesign that was required to make these IoT devices work at scale. The centuries-old techniques of modern farming had to be turned on their head, quite literally, carried out vertically instead of horizontally. If the crops had remained in the ground and the technology had been implemented, it would have been far less efficient. The number of sensors to cover the same number of crops would have been much, much higher than a vertical farm, and controlling the water given to each crop so that much water could be saved would have been much, much more difficult. This key lesson, that plugging technology into an existing process without considering the process, is akin to buying a TV but not having electricity, and is probably the reason that Cisco found that most IoT projects don't progress past proof of concept, and even those that are implemented a third are not considered a success. Another worry with IoT is security. Being universally connected means that you can be universally hacked. Imagine how frustrating it would be when your IoT toaster gets a virus, or as a farmer your soil sensors are spoofed, meaning your crops are overwatered and a harvest ruined. Or videos of your children playing with their smart toys make it onto the internet without your knowing or consent. Let's now take a military example, perimeter security of a forward operating base. Now imagine that instead of fences and soldiers patrolling your perimeter, you'd have a portable IoT equipped sentry mast. The masts have internet connected cameras and infrared sensors that feed the data they collect into the cloud for analysis by their computer vision algorithms, which can recognize humans breaching their perimeter up to a couple of kilometers out. Once identified, an autonomous internet connected drone can be automatically sent to intercept the individual or simply gain eyes on. 
An operator can then use a virtual reality headset to get real-time situational awareness of what's happening and choose the course of action. This may sound futuristic, but both Henry and I have been lucky enough to see it operate firsthand. By not just adding a camera to a fence, but instead reimagining perimeter security entirely, the solution may do away with the fence entirely in many cases. It doesn't require any infrastructure since it's solar powered and is so portable and light that it can simply be redeployed from the back of a truck. Suddenly, this Internet of Things device provides an unprecedented means of quickly deploying to an area and setting up a secure perimeter with a minimal footprint with phenomenal agility. Now let's play out this forward operating base even further into the future, to 2025. Now let's say one of our sentries has an issue. The tail fin of one of its autonomous drones snapped in a recent landing. An offline problem which requires a massive offline effort to get the solution. The supply chain might take days to get the spare part out, risking lives in the process and reducing our defensive capability significantly as one of our sentries is essentially unmanned. However, now imagine that one of our soldiers, using the camera on her phone, 3D scans the broken fin and emails it back to our on-call engineers in the UK seamlessly converting this offline problem into the online space. Within minutes, the engineers either found the digital twin file of the exact part or simply created another 3D design of the part using the scan taken from the soldier's phone. The 3D printing file is sent straight back out to the internet-connected 3D printer in the forward operating base and a new tail fin is printed within the hour, the drone back operational just 10 minutes later. Due to a data sharing agreement made mandatory in 2024, any equipment fault logged by the MOD is automatically stored in the MOD's predictive maintenance cloud application but also shared with the supplier. This is the fourth tail fin that's broken in the last month, a trend that's flagged by the machine learning predictive maintenance algorithm on the military cloud. The supplier is immediately notified that in line with the new framework for equipment contracts, a penalty will be applied if this failure is not rectified within 10 working days. The supplier is only too thankful to the MOD for being a super user of its product and providing rapid feedback though, and with the detailed digital log sent back from the drone of its landing profile that caused the breakage, as of course it is itself an IoT device, combined with the data provided by the MOD's predictive maintenance data lake, which contains 3D scans of each breakage and a wealth of other data, they're able to not only manufacture a new tail fin that has a more durable structure, but also able to alter the autonomous flying profile of the drone, meaning that landings are softer, increasing the longevity of their airframes. The new tail fin designs are finished within the week and sent out to the 3D printers of all operational teams around the globe to print overnight for fitting the next day and the new landing profiles of the drones are automatically updated when the drones are charging on the sentries next. The rapid OODA loop of prototype warfare is enabled by the seamless breaking down of the barriers between the digital and physical worlds by IoT devices. It's tempting to stop there, but we want to end this episode with taking the IoT concept one step, and perhaps a decade or two, further. 
One might argue that we're wrong to refer to bridging the gap between the physical and digital world as the final frontier, but that actually the final frontier might be to bridge the gap between human brains and the digital frontier. Let's start by exploring what's already possible. Firstly, it is possible, at least at low fidelity, to know what someone is thinking through both non-invasive methods like EEG, essentially putting electrodes on someone's head and measuring the electrical impulses transmitted through the brain from the outside, and also through invasive methods like an electrode stuck into someone's or something's brain. It is also possible to alter people's behaviour by using an electrode to stimulate the brain. For example, in patients with Parkinson's disease, if their tremor is severe, it can be treated by putting an electrode into a specific area of the brain and stimulating it. The problem is that sometimes this causes other behavioural changes if it's not put in quite the right place, like perhaps people becoming gamblers or, or alcoholics. In terms of useful non-disease applications of this, we are at an early stage. People have crudely piloted drones through just their thoughts, through an EEG array on their head. But people are pouring billions into this space, so we can expect it to develop rapidly. Facebook is aiming for a future where you no longer have to type or sit at your computer. You simply think what you want your post to be, and it is so. To get online, you don't have to go online at all. And at the more extreme end of the spectrum, Elon Musk's Neuralink startup is proposing to progress into human trials at the end of 2021, and is aiming to create a 2 gigabit speed wireless connection from our brains to the cloud. At that speed, you could download all eight seasons of Game of Thrones in high definition in about a minute. So what would this mean for us? It essentially would be like plugging in some of the most high-definition sensors and most effective supercomputers on the planet, our brains, forming incomprehensibly rich data feeds from them and combining their intelligence into some sort of hive mind. Imagine a section attack where you have a real-time link to the drone assets flying overhead and you can control them simply with your thoughts. When your commander can see what you see, in real time. When every action that takes place on the battlefield is recorded from the soldier's perspective, so accountability can be maintained, rules of engagement also maintained, and debriefs unimaginably rich. On the darker side though, of course, it offers a new frontier for potential conflict. Imagine the consequences of an enemy force hacking into your hive mind, either benefiting from its rich intel or manipulating your actions. Of course, many of you will be now thinking, no chance, this is never going to happen in my generation. But we refer back to episode one. When the current chiefs of each service were children, the accelerometer and gyroscope in our phones, that are now the size of a grain of rice, were the bulky inertial measurement systems that guided our early rockets and cost $20 million. What does that exponential rate of transformation look like over the coming decade for brain-computer interfaces? Will the breaking down of the barriers between the online and offline worlds enabled by IoT merely be the prelude to the breakdown of the final barrier, 
between our consciousness and the online world. We hope you enjoyed this episode, narrated and written by myself, Flight Lieutenant James Coote, and edited by Lieutenant Colonel Henry Woolley. We'd like to thank AADP, the Army's Advanced Development Programme, and the RAF Medical Services for allowing us the journalistic freedom to create this podcast. The thoughts are our own and do not represent the MOD or these organisations. If you want to delve deeper, you can access the script and references for this podcast by sending a blank email with your rating of the podcast from 0 to 10 in the subject line to redefpod at gmail.com or by checking out our Twitter at redefpod. Just to be clear, redefpod is R-E-D-E-F-P-O-D. For those who want to learn how to code, apply data science, or learn agile project management techniques, check out the J-Hub coding scheme, where you'll get paid up to £500 for learning these skills and have your achievement logged on JPA. Just search J-Hub coding scheme on DefNet. Finally, If this podcast has sparked any ideas for innovative capability that you want to get into the hands of military users, you can submit your ideas via the new GEMS platform found at def-ideas.wazoku.com. Alternatively, reach out directly to DARE for the Navy, Aerial for the Army, RCA for the RAF, or J-Hub for STRATCOM, all found by a quick search on DEFNET. If you've enjoyed this episode on Reimagining Defence, we'd be over the moon if you could share it with a friend and leave us a five-star review. Until our final episode on quantum computing, take care. Mm -hmm.